Hello everyone, my name is Frank Rock. Welcome to From the Hacks, Waking Up with the Scotties, Tuesday edition. On today's episode, I chat with Laurie Saint-Georges of Team Quebec at the Scotties, Mike Fournier, also from Quebec, who is currently preparing for his own trip to the bubble in a couple of weeks for the Briar, and last but certainly not least, we are joined by Greg Iwasco, who is the head ice technician at the Scotties, and who is responsible for the ice surface on which the games are being played. My first guest is Laurie Saint-Georges of Team Quebec, who has quickly become one of the better stories to come out of Calgary over the first few days of the Scotties, leading her team to a 3-1 record with eyes now set on a championship pool. Laurie also happens to be the only other person to have hosted episodes of the From the Hack podcast. Laurie, the uh, traditional first question in my interviews on waking up with the Scotties has quickly become, what is your go-to beverage to help you get started with your day in the morning? Ah, so... Two coffee, one shake, chocolate shake, um, and a lot of love. <laughs> Honestly, love uh, from my players and my dad. It's uh, all I need. So, Laurie, you and I first got to know each other three years ago when you stepped in and became the only person other than me to host episodes of the From the Hack podcast while I was away at a family funeral. Like any young curler, you dreamed of someday playing in the Scotties, but what would you have said back then had I told you that three short years later, I'd be interviewing you while you were playing at the Scotties? I would laugh. <laughs> Honestly, I would have laughed, uh, Frank. Um, honestly, it's totally unexpected, maybe, but it feels great. And honestly, at that time, I was just covering those games and I was just having fun watching them play. And now I'm having fun on playing on the same eyes of them. So it's incredible feeling, honestly, but I would, I would have laughed, honestly, Frank. <laughs> On a similar note, I know you looked at your schedule before the Scotties started. Every team does. They pretend like they don't, but they all do. Had I offered to, to bet you $5 that your team would be 3-1 and one after the first four games at the Scotties, would you have taken that bet? Ooh, good question. Honestly, for only 5 bucks, yes. <laughs> um, I think so. Honestly, I think so because I'm really confident uh, – I have a lot of confidence um, in my team. I have a lot of confidence in me. Uh, we're playing really well. And this year, honestly, everything can happen. So I think it's the good year to put five bucks on us. <laughs> You're obviously feeling it this week, Lori. You're comfortable on that ice. When did you first get a sense that uh, you know you were liking this ice and that you'd be able to perform well on it? Um, honestly, I was, I was really comfortable before going on the ice, uh, honestly, because I did a lot of, uh, visualization. Um, so, but honestly, Frank, it's, um, it's a lot, it's a lot because of my, my sweepers, Haley's calling the line, um, my team are awesome to give me confidence and I need that. And they know it, and they're actually really good at it. So with them, honestly, with my team right now, I just feel like I can do any shot. Honestly, I can do every, every single shot that I want. 
and it feels amazing and I just want to keep going playing like that so yeah I'm I'm actually feeling it and it's it's nice to feel it but I mean if one game I don't feel it it's not the end of the world you know there's so many games to to play and if I have one two three bad games eh, you know it's life I can't play a hundred percent every game you know like I'm not Brad Boucher <laughs> I want to take it back to your game against PEI Laurie which is the one game in which you really struggled if we can say it that way uh, you were down 6-2 after it ends it, it's a long week and some teams would have considered calling it a game at that point and shaking hands or touching brooms or whatever it is that uh, that the teams are doing this week yet you kept playing and, and as we know now you ended up winning eight to six what kept your team on the ice in a game where you obviously weren't feeling it for the first eight ends good question wow honestly uh, I think it was worth a try and it worked <laughs> it worked pretty good um we actually, before the Scotties, we, we talked uh, to Ellen Radford from Curling Canada, and she, she told us, girls against big team, play tenons. Play tenons and try it. Just try it. Give it a try. And that's what we did. And, wow, we actually won the game, right? So I think that that day, the, the mental toughness was was high, <laughs> honestly, and it just felt amazing to win that game, you know. Before we started recording, Laurie, you briefly mentioned that one of the bonuses of getting on a good early run like this at an event like the Scotties is that it's going to give you and your team added visibility, which will hopefully help you as you approach sponsors for next year and beyond. Now, how mindful are you of that at an event like this, uh, knowing that a good performance at a national event could have benefits both on and off the ice for you and your team? I really think it's important to um, give visibility to young teams, honestly, because it's hard for us to actually uh, perform and to get at a high level when you don't have sponsorship and you can't travel and you have hard times to um, to go in other province to, to play against big team, right? Especially in Quebec, uh, there's not many uh, women's team, so we have to travel a lot. So for sure, I think it's important to give visibility to um, those type of team, right? So yeah, I think it's going to help us for sure um, for the next few years. Uh, we're glad that we have a lot of sponsors, though, WFG, Kajiko, uh, Hardline. We have so, so many sponsors uh, now. But I think going further, uh, we'll need to have more sponsorship to actually maybe uh, when they make it to the Olympics. It would be amazing, honestly. So, yeah, I think really the... It's important to give visibility to young teams to give them a chance. As we've discussed in detail already, your team is off to a very good start this week. But is there anything that you and your team will need to focus on over the coming days to ensure you can continue on this run and perhaps qualify for the championship pool? Um, I think it's to keep the momentum and to not um, stressing with uh, the other big teams. Obviously, we have we, we we have to approach every game the same way and we have to keep the momentum on our side and 
And uh, yeah, I think we we have a pretty good communication on the ice and of the ice. Uh, and honestly, if we keep having fun on the ice and we keep enjoy playing curling, I think we can make it till the end. Honestly, we're well. I hope so. But even even if we don't make it till the end, I mean, we're we're enjoying our, our time here and. It's such a great experience, and that's what is important for us. And finally, Laurie, Mike Fournier, who you know well, will also be a guest on this episode. He's been watching a lot of curling uh, to help him prep for the Briar in a couple of weeks in the very same bubble you're in. What advice, if any, would you have for Mike when it comes to life in the bubble? Feed the horses, Mike. <laughs> You know what, Laurie, sometimes as an interviewer, it's important not to ask what a guest actually meant when answering a question. So thank you for doing this, Laurie, and best of uh, luck and good curling the rest of the week. Before moving on to the final two guests of today's episode, uh, let's catch you up on Monday's action at the 2021 Scotties. Monday morning was supposed to be a quiet one at the Scotties, but Team Canada and the Northwest Territories hit the ice to play their rescheduled game. Kerry Anderson and her Team Canada squad continued their solid play, defeating the Northwest Territories by a score of 8-4. Team Canada moved to 4-0, while Team Galusha of Yellowknife fell to 1-2. After the game, Kerry Anderson was discussing how difficult the past year has been for her and the other frontline workers when she shared a heartwarming story about one of the residents at the home where she works. It's been very challenging. We uh, had a scare back in April last year, and that was uh, really scary for us. Um, I am so grateful, though, uh, to be working where I am and to all those healthcare workers and nursing and all the frontline workers. Um, it's tough, and I see it in my residents' faces every day when they can't see their families, and it's extremely hard. I try and be there for them as much as possible and uh, give them those hugs that they don't get to get from their families. And actually, I had a resident ask me before I left if she could have my phone number uh, so she could phone me. And she phoned me the first day and she was just excited to see curling back on TV. And I am so grateful for all their support. Um, my co-workers, um, wasn't for them, I would be able to be here today. Um, I really, truly appreciate everything they do. Draw 9 started with Team BC breaking through with their first win of this year's Scotties, 11-2 over Team Nunavut. After the game, BC third Aaron Pincott spoke about how different the atmosphere has been without fans at this year's Scotties compared to last season in Moose Jaw. Yeah, certainly very different, you know, not getting marched out for draws, uh, no crowd. Like Even in the last end there, I made a joke to Des, made two like phenomenal shots, like double peel, like raised double, and I was like, well, crowd would have gone wild, so like good job kind of thing and so it's definitely a little bit different but uh you know when we're playing on touring curling clubs throughout the fall um there's no crowds so not something we're not unused to but that's kind of what makes this event special right so in other games on monday afternoon saskatchewan scored two points in the 10th end to defeat team manitoba by a score of five to four and pei defeated newfoundland and labrador by a score of 12 to eight after the game suzanne burt of pei mentioned that despite shooting low percentages so far this week her game is progressing and bottom line they have a 3 and one record. I'm getting comfortable each and every game and fixing technical, you know, delivery issues. And, and it's, it's not an issue at all. So 
um, yeah, just feel comfortable each and every game, and, and the percentages will come. Also in draw nine, Team Quebec continued to stake its claim as the story of the Scotties so far, defeating Team Fleury by a score of 8-7 to seven to move to 3-1. and one. After the game, third Haley Armstrong, a former skip in her own right, said that she is happy as a third, especially when her skip is throwing the rock like Laurie Saint-Georges has been this week. Honestly, like, I, I love that I play third now. Like, I am so happy that I play third, <laughs> and I'm so happy that I play third for Lori. Like, draw against three, draw against four. Like, she, it doesn't even phase her. Like, she just has it, and I can just stand there calmly and just, I don't know, it just feels amazing. Like, I just love being a part of this team. And she's really supportive, honestly. <laughs> so that helps. <laughs> In draw 10 action, Team Ontario continued their strong play, moving to 4-0 with an 8-3 win over Nova Scotia. After the game, Rachel Holman was asked if she felt like her team had found her groove yet. I mean, I, I think everyone's seeing some misses out there, um, and we're seeing a ton of amazing shots, um, especially for what we've had to work with coming in here. Um, I'm super proud of my team. They're they're playing phenomenal uh, in front of me and um, making my job easy and sleeping phenomenally and uh it's just uh, a lot of fun out there and um there's definitely we're definitely getting tons of misses as well but uh learning from them and um making sure that we're learning each game um and uh i mean nova scotia played phenomenal tonight as well there's i know you only got to see bits and pieces but there was tons of, of really great shots and a really great curling match um but yeah i'm just super proud of my team for limited training that we had and uh, pulling it together and uh, doing what we've been able to do so far. In other draw 10 action, Beth Peterson's wildcard team defeated Alberta 6-4 and Northern Ontario scored a 5-ender in the ninth for a come-from-behind 8-7 win over Yukon. And finally on Monday evening, the Northwest Territories defeated the reigning World Junior Champions Team Zacharias by a score of 6-5. After the game, Kerry Galusha described how important this victory was for her team, evening the record at 2-2. Two Oh, yeah. I mean, tonight's game was huge. We had to win that uh, to put us at two and two. And I mean, we've been getting better every game. Um, you know, it's we're we're having we had a few technical issues today. Apparently, open hits are really tough on this. Um, so it just we're trying to just work on a few little small things, getting to the broom and uh draw weight and we feel like we're getting better and better every game I felt fantastic out there even though I had a really big miss in the what end was that it was an open hit for three and I flashed so I just kept plugging away and had to stay positive and our team's having a lot of fun out there right now my next guest is curling blogger extraordinaire Mike Forney, who also happens to be a pretty good curler. In about 10 days or so Mike and his team will be heading to their second briar in three years and entering the bubble in Calgary Mike, my first question with guests on waking up with the Scotties is what's their go-to, what's your go-to drink in the morning to uh, help you get uh, your day off on the right foot? <laughs> uh, well, I guess these days it's been uh, coffee, although I I, uh, I managed to pour an entire coffee on my laptop last week. So <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> I'm questioning my choices now and thinking I should just start drinking alcohol, Ryan Cokes in the morning. I think that might be better for me. Now, one of the better stories in the early part of the week at the Scotties has been Team Saint-Georges of Quebec and their skip, Laurie Saint-Georges. You've known Laurie for a long time. What can you tell us about Laurie and her team? Well, I, I mean, I think what you see is what you get. Uh, I mean, I see these girls all the time, like uh, Laurie and especially Emily are, are and, uh, and Cynthia are always practicing at Glenmore. 
uh, and have been all year uh, up until we locked down in January. So, I mean, I was seeing them almost every day, every second day at the, at the club and they, they, uh, like I say, what you see is what you get. They're, they're as energetic and funny and genuine practicing as they are when they're at the Scotties. So, I mean, uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, everything I'm reading on social media, everybody seems to be falling in love with their personalities because they look like they're having fun on the ice. But uh, I mean, for me watching, it's just, uh, you know, Emily and Luddy, <laughs> you know, it's the same as usual. Now, one of the things that people have enjoyed about Team St. George is the energy and emotion that they've brought to the ice this week at the Scotties. You've been around the sport for a number of years now, Mike. Do you think that something that we are missing in the sport is a little more energy and emotion in a sport where many teams work to remain as calm as possible during games? Yeah, I mean, I think so. And it's funny because, uh, you know, like on the men's side, like we, I remember playing uh, Brendan Botcher in a spiel. And the thing that impressed me the most was I mean I think we cracked a cheap three on them, and none of them reacted like something bad had happened. You know their their reaction was so cool and so robotic. And I'm like, man, I think I'd have been whamming a broom if I gave up a three like that. You know, and I, I see that and I say, wow, we have to strive for that because it allows them to be in control and allows them to, you know, to excel and and to control their emotions. I mean, you never want to have your emotions controlling you. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's fun. I mean, it's why people liked watching Guy Hemmings on the ice. It's like, uh, you know, it's it's why people like watching Lady St. George on the ice because they look like human beings and you're living and dying with them as you watch. So, I, I mean, I think robotic curling makes for better curling, but, you know, emotional curling makes for better TV. <laughs> you know, so it, it's a tough balance to strike, I think, because, you, you know, controlling your emotions is always going to be key to winning at curling. So it's that versus the idea of having something that's a good TV product that people really enjoy. Now, I'm sure you've been watching some of the action from the Scotties. What is your take on the event so far? There have certainly been more misses than usual, but the, the team seem to be finding their groove at this point, even though it might not be the same as in a typical season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the quality of play is not where it should be or where you'd expect it to be in a normal year, obviously. I mean, I see a lot of cases where, uh, where players have the heavies, you know, everybody's, you know, 10 feet heavy, everybody's popping the release a bit and wide and the sweepers are watching it down the ice. I mean, every game I've been watching, that seems to be the case. And that's usually a result of, Hey, I've maybe practiced a lot and thrown a lot of rocks, but not a lot of rocks to sweepers on super keen ice. So it's, uh, I, I think you're seeing that early in the week, you know, a lot of people just trying to make the shots on their own without using the sweepers. Uh, but I mean, the curling has been pretty good. Uh, I, I mean, uh, some great shots made some exciting games to start. So all in all, uh, it's a good return to curling, I think. And I, and I think it's going to get better as the week goes. Many observers uh, thought that since the top teams played so little this season, Mike, uh, it might be the year where we could see a quote-unquote surprise team win the Scotties. From what you have seen so far, do you think we might get a surprise winner this season, or do you think it will eventually come down to some of the top teams as it usually does? Yeah, I mean, we'll see how the week goes, but I mean, I think the top teams have been playing like the top teams. You know, I mean, uh, like Kerry and Holman, and these teams have been putting up numbers in the the 80s and 90s, you know, which not a lot of the tier two teams are going to be able to to keep up with in the best of times. So, I I mean, I think it does even the playing field somewhat, but I mean, your best teams are still going to be your best teams. So. uh, I think there's definitely more potential for some upsets, you know, and we're already seeing some some, I guess, lesser upsets, but upsets nonetheless. So 
I, I think it's it's brought everybody a little closer together, but I mean, it's still Rachel Holman, Chelsea Carey, and you know, and, and Carrie Einerson. I mean, they they're good at curling. <laughs> Now, I want to circle back to Team St. George for a minute. Uh, this is a young team with a lot of potential and a lot of ambition. What will it take for them to take that next step and become one of the top-tier teams in the country? Well, I, I mean, I think this is a team that they have so much will to get there that I think they're going to get there. You know, as to what they have to work on, I'd say there's uh, – I mean, Luddy's doing a lot of the right things. Like, I know they spent some time, uh, you know, working with a Pierre Charette this year – uh, you know, they, they need some of that, I think, competitive uh, experience uh, that would help them a lot, I think. Uh, I mean, Michelle's a great coach and keeps them, uh, it keeps them very motivated and is great to make sure that they are, are focused 100% on curling. Uh, but, I mean, Michelle's never played the game at a serious competitive level. So, you know, having somebody like a Pierre or I don't know who else they're going to get, uh, but that'll help them a lot. Like just to get that extra experience, like where you see a Randy Furby, you know, sitting behind Rachel Holman's bench that has value, you know? So I I think that'll be a big step for Luddy to get somebody there. Uh, It helps that she's playing a lot of mixed doubles with Felix. Uh, You know, Felix is a, is a good strategic thinker and will definitely rub off on her uh, in terms of uh, helping her get to that level. You know, and just getting more reps in, I think just playing more big events, playing more big teams, realizing they belong, uh, I think we'll get them there pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, they're they they're really good kids, and they just have such a desire to be good at this game that I don't think anything's going to stop them. And finally, Mike, uh, you'll be headed to the bubble yourself in a couple of weeks. Uh, have you been paying attention to anything specific while watching the Scotties in the hope that it might help you and the team a little as you prep for the Briar? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, we've been watching the games, watching the I, I like. It's hard to. You don't want to watch the ice too much because ice makers are really good at making ice different for different events. So, I mean, even though it looks straight, a little straight and a little fast, maybe on the first couple of days, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case when we get to the briar. So I don't want to put too much weight in that. Um, it looks like uh, it, it looks like curling, though. You know, I, I was wondering just how it would what would be the feel of it, you know, without the crowd and with the bubble. But my, my thought was kind of that once you get people on the ice playing, it was, you know, it, it, the, the memory kicks back in, you know, and it's curling and it's the Scotties and you look at the teams that are there. And, and to be honest, every team that's there just looks like they're so happy to be curling, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I, I don't want to say happy to be there because obviously everybody wants to perform, but you know, it's just like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm in an event doing something, you know, and for a lot of us, that'll be like the first time in, in a year that we're doing that. So uh, I, I think it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm almost envious of that they're there already, you know, that they're, they're living this, but, and I can't wait to do it myself because I, I think it is going to be a lot of fun. My final guest this morning is Greg Owasco, the lead ice technician at the 2021 Scotties. Greg is responsible for the ice surface this week. He discusses the challenges they face this week, and he also explains what people might mean when they refer to Greg Owasco ice. So, Greg, the members of the ice crew at the Scotties typically come from different clubs and often different parts of the country. Can you walk the audience through the process of getting your crew to Calgary and inside the bubble? Well, some of the some of the team members were flying, so we wanted to make sure that they were as safe as all possible, and we had them take a uh, COVID test and try to isolate for at least 72 hours before they were going to be on an airplane traveling to Calgary. Uh, the rest of the crew was driving 
and uh, we felt pretty safe with them driving, not being on an airplane surrounded by people, that they were going to be way safer than the people that were flying. So when they got here, we all had tests together, and we just kind of came up with the idea that maybe we'll just make our own little bubble before it becomes a bubble. Is it easier to make and control the quality of the ice in a relatively empty arena like you have in Calgary this season compared to when you have a full arena at a typical Scotty's? Well, it is and it isn't, right? Uh, You have to make the environment the same as if you had 5,000 people in the arena. So you got to play with the air handling system. you got to warm things up. Uh, And then in the past couple of days, we were so cold, we weren't able to bring in you know, nice, fresh outside air that we like to bring in once in a while into an arena because it was so cold out. And then now, as of today, we're able to bring in at least 40% fresh air from outside. So that factor, um, you know, you try to make it as close as possible. And uh, then you find tweaks. So we're we're tweaking almost every draw to kind of find the, the exact recipe. So we're getting there. And... Uh, we should, we should be there by now, but it's just taking a little longer, but that's fine. We'll get it before, uh, before the day's out today. So if I'm understanding you correctly, uh, Greg, uh, the lack of fans in Calgary is not typical of a Scotty's venue, and what you're needing to do is attempt to replicate those usual Scotty's conditions in a mostly empty arena. That is correct, yep. That is absolutely correct. Now, Greg, what are some of the factors, the different factors impacting the ice at an arena event like a Scotty's that the average curling fan may be unaware of? Well, basically, you see the machine go up and down. You see us scrape off the pebble, and you, you know, see, see a lot of snow. But we're always constantly checking to make sure that blade that's cutting the ice is 110% straight. We've had a few blades along with our uh, equipment here that have been a li- just a little bit off, which probably most uh, people wouldn't see in their curling clubs, but out in an arena with uh, the girls that are playing that are pretty experienced uh, will actually magnify the little run that we would put in the ice with a, with a blade that wasn't cutting exactly straight. And then uh, there's the pebbling, right? So we got to make sure that both myself and John are pebbling exactly the same and putting the right amount of pebble down on the ice. How often do you consult with the curlers during an event, Greg, to get a sense of whether the ice is to their liking and whether they are seeing patterns in the ice that are of concern to them? I'm always talking to the players, like before uh, they go out and practice or while they're practicing, right after they're done practicing, I'll just, hey, how was it? What's going on? And uh, if they do have an issue, they know that I'm a, I'm a big boy. I can handle criticism. So uh, they'll either tell me, hey, you know, there's this happening or that's happening or it's really good speed's good but this is happening okay so then i just take a step back and i watch and try to pinpoint okay is it something with the ice or is it or is it the curler's fault kind of deal but yeah so that's kind of what i do i have no problem of taking criticism yeah the first thing is, is i always talk to players Now, many people seem to think that the ice maker is trying to create different ice conditions throughout the week, but in reality, is it fair to say that your goal is to get the ice to where you want it and then keep it consistent throughout the remainder of that event? Well, we tweak it to make it the most consistent as possible, right? So as we're kind of going along, oh, we see a little problem, we do a little tweak to make sure that it's as close as possible as what they had during their practice days. And 
the process days, they had six and a half feet of curl and about 24 and a half, 25 second ice. Well, now we're trying to just keep that going. So as we go along, we try just to make sure that that's what they saw on the first day, that's what they're getting today, and then that's what they'll get on the final Sunday. You'll be preparing the ice for a few different events inside this bubble in Calgary over the coming weeks. Uh, is the goal to try and replicate the ice conditions from one event to the other? Well, that's that's uh, the name of the game is basically consistency, and that's what we're going to aim for and basically accomplish. That's the goal in life. So, you know, if you get 24, 25 second ice speed wise and five and a half feet of curl for the women, you want five and a half feet of curl for the men and the same speed because the guys right now are watching the draws on TV and basically making their own assessment on how good the ice is. And they're hopefully to come here and have it repeat. So they so there's no surprises. We often hear broadcasters or even players refer to ice being quote unquote Greg Iwasco ice. What are the characteristics of Greg Iwasco ice? It's uh basically never give up if uh, nothing's ever perfect and they know that that I'm out there trying my best and uh, try to make it absolutely five and a half feet of curl and 25 second ice like that's that's the goal and most people know that if it, if it isn't there it's going to be there and never give up trying to get it there and finally, Greg, in the interview she did with me for the From the Hack Scotties preview, uh, Mackenzie Zacharias told me that she was looking forward to playing in the Scotties, uh, on the ice at the Scotties, in part because she has played on your ice on several occasions in Manitoba. Is there an advantage to players who perhaps have more experience playing on ice uh, prepared by an ice maker prior to getting to an event uh, such as the Scotties? Like, yeah, there's obviously an advantage to some of the home province teams. But there's a, there's a lot of things here that are playing in the Scotties that uh, play on my ice on tour, it's either in Port La Prairie at a tour event or uh, some tour event that's held in Manitoba where a lot of teams will travel to because they actually get to play on my ice. So, um, yeah, most of them kind of have an idea. Yeah, there is an advantage to the Manitoba teams because they get to play on it the most. And that does it for today's episode of Waking Up with the Scotties. Join us tomorrow for recaps, insight, and interviews from the 2021 Scotties.